welcome back to another Food for Thought, uh, a bonus show of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thanks to our sponsors, Missouri Meersham, SmokingPipes.com, Cornell and Deal, and Savinelli. And this time we are discussing... Um, we're, we're discussing animation, we're discussing art, we're discussing Disney, three things that I absolutely love, but we're discussing it with someone who uh, has, uh, has a different love of it, and, uh, but we both share basically the same passion, so uh, uh, Keith Swearingen, welcome to uh, Food for Thought, and when did, when did your love of Disney really begin? Oh, I don't know if I could put an actual date on it, but <laughs> I was I was born in 1953, so I'm a, a child of TV and of um, Disney. So I kind of grew up with Disney, and uh, my parents were fairly big moviegoers. So from early, I mean, I I was have no idea how old I was, but my first movie disney movie that i can remember is bambi so one of the releases yeah. re-releases of bambi is was the first full disney movie i saw other than maybe snippets on uh wonderful world of color wonderful world of disney the whatever variation of that was on when they first started playing it yeah so you would have been about two or three when when walt started doing the uh the the weekly television show and then Disneyland would have opened when you were about three so you were right I mean literally right in the heyday of Disney television and the and kind of the the beginning of the Disney marketing machine really yeah although I didn't actually go to Disneyland until 1963 it was and you grew up in did you grow up in the Central Valley of California um, I tend to think of as northern, at the very top end of the Central Valley, basically okay. just below Sacramento. So, yeah. it's not a short trip to Los Angeles, and in 1963, it was a little bit of a longer trip. <laughs> and and from growing up and from growing up there myself, I can remember. I my parents used to say that you had to when they drove from Los Angeles to San Francisco, they had to carry a gas can with them because there wasn't gas stations. There wasn't enough gas stations to make it all the way in, in one trip. Yeah, I can believe that back then. My, my first trip to Disneyland was quite memorable for a number of reasons, because it was of course the first one, but um, it always sticks in my mind, even though I've been to Disneyland many many times my sister and i went to the same school and in 1960 this was before my birthday so i was still nine years old not quite ten my sister seven and our parents were planning on taking us to disneyland for a basically um a, one day uh, it was a weekend so they were pulling us out of school early on friday and then we'd drive down straight from there spend Saturday at Disneyland and get back home on Sunday so my dad could get back to work on Monday. So we were going to, it was probably maybe an hour before my parents were going to pick us up. And the principal comes into the classroom wheeling a, uh, a TV. And he was whispering to the teacher about something, plugged in the TV so that we could watch the news. Now, looking back, I find this rather strange, but 
This was November 22nd, 1963. Oh, no. So um, looking back, it seems, why would you want to show or try to explain to nine-year-olds the assassination of the president? Seems strange, but whatever. And um, so we watched what was happening on TV. Then my parents showed up, and we left and drove to Disneyland. Wow. Talk about a talk about a historic day. And I had a great time at Disneyland. Yeah. And it was a few it was unfortunately it was a few years before we, we went back to Disneyland and so in that short period there were rides that, that and, and attractions that were no longer there. Even though I guess it wasn't thought of as a, a great ride, the um I liked the flying saucers or whatever it was it was called. Yeah. Um it was kind of like you know, uh, air hockey, and you're sitting on the big puck, basically. <laughs> Human air hockey, and it didn't work very well. And then they they recently tried it again in a new iteration, and it didn't work very well either. Yeah, but I it worked when I was there. I, I liked it. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's talk about the the animation and the art. I mean, did you? Did it automatically click for you, or did you, did it take you time for for you to really appreciate the the art of it? In, it well, I think I think I got there in a roundabout way because um, I always ha I've always had an eye for art, but the, for me, animation first was about Warner Brothers cartoons. Then yeah. I got into the Disney um, because at, you have to remember um, I was seeing movies the theater at that time and if you just if you went and saw a non-disney movie you were more likely to get you know anything from a, a warner's brother cartoon to a mr mr magoo cartoon in between the two movies that were playing um if you to see disney shorts to see a mickey mouse or donald duck cartoon you could only see that Say that on say what Sunday night or whenever it was that Wonderful World of Color played, yeah. the Wonderful World of Disney. There was no other way to see the Disney shorts. Um, they didn't, as far as I remember. Well, I don't think there was releasing any shorts after the fifties, so there was no um, shorts played with the the re-releases of the films, as far as I can remember. Yeah, I think they were just using them as uh, filler on the TV shows. Uh, yeah, and, I don't remember ever seeing a Disney theatrical release that had a short so um it took me a while to i mean i've always been a fan of animation and when i started collecting animation i collected uh commercials and i collected animation art from commercials and then i had more of appreciation for um pencil drawings um, because pencil drawings aren't done by the, the, the finishing a, uh, animators or in-betweeners. They're done closer to the actual artist that's doing them, and they tend to have a little more action in them. Yeah. So when I started collecting Disney art, it was pencil drawings and not the animation cells. And the, when you, that is because I like the looks. When you started collecting this, the, I mean, th this was all pre-internet, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I had a friend that had a, uh, little shop here in, in town that had a, a sold animation art and, uh, he had mostly Disney stuff, some non-Disney and, uh, that piqued my interest also. Um, 
I don't know. It's hard to describe. I just I've I've always had a uh, as I I uh, boy. It's just hard to describe. The what stands out in a lot of the Disney films for me is not the animation is beautiful, but I love the background art. Yeah. So, and and that's a lot of what is recognizable to me is for the background art. So I loved Ivan Earl's art before I knew who Ivan Earl was. Yep. And I I could recognize um, Mary Blair's influence before I knew who Mary Blair was. <laughs> yeah, and you're, I mean, you're talking about some of the, I mean, it, just to Ivan, first of all, anybody wanting to look up Ivan Earl, his first name is E-Y-V-I-N-D Earl. Yeah, I think that's what it is, yeah. Yeah, and Mary Blair are two distinctive styles, but I always try to describe my, my favorite moment of any of anything, any Disney thing is that moment in Pinocchio where the movie, you know, the movie's starting and you kind of fly out of the sky into Geppetto's window workshop. And that's just all, that's just falling into a beautiful artistic piece of work. Uh, and, and, and then with you seeing Bambi as your first movie, Bambi's got some of the most beautiful backgrounds of any of the original five. Um, been a long time since I've seen Bambi, but um, I believe that was um, what's his name? Tyrus Wong was the uh, what do they call that creative or not director, but he did the uh, the workups. You know the did he do all the backgrounds and the, the, the kind of like I, the... I'm not sure if he did the backgrounds, but uh, I can't remember what the the, uh, the term is they use when. You know, they they sketch out the whole movie basically, like Mary Blair did, where sometimes she did backgrounds, but sometimes she just did the uh, storyboarding type thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that just gave it its color palette and it, and, and and the tonality. Right, but sometimes it it it. Um, I got in an argument once with a guy about this because. <laughs> He was saying, you know, Mary Blair was not an animator and not even a storyboarder. And I said, yeah, but if you know what to look for, you can lots of times spot her work. And um, there's a cartoon now, which I can't think of the name of it. It's in in the uh, late 40s, early 50s. Disney was releasing these uh, anthology films. You know, it'd be like four or five different shorts, and that's how you know um, Pecos Bill or Johnny Appleseed were released with a bunch of different cartoons, and there's one that's always stuck with me because let's see, it's it's a winter theme. It's a couple in a horse-drawn sleigh in the snow, and they go ice skating. And if you've ever seen Mary Blair's work, it's obvious that she had was the inspiration for this. It doesn't matter if she did a drop of work on this it just stands out as mary blair's work and so it was it was in one of those anthologies like fun and fancy free or melody time i not sure which one <laughs> now, i can't think of the name of the of the uh, actual cartoon at the moment 
now, now this is for for most of our listeners. They're piping tobacco collectors, pipe smokers, and and just like on the on the pipe and tobacco world, you know, you can be a pipe collector, and then within being a pipe collector focus, you can be an English pipe collector and only collect that style so you can get really narrowed in and this is the kind of stuff the the same thing happens on the disney art side because most of most of my stuff that i collect personally is focused around the sorcerer's apprentice and then the artwork from the disney parks where you know where you've got a whole nother area of influence and other people that you know uh it's always fun for me to talk to another, yeah, another Disney collector or animation collector because there's always something new to learn. Um, where else did your where did where did your collection end up kind of focusing? Um, I've never been a very focused person. <laughs> <laughs> I've collected a lot of different weird things. Um, I did. I never did a lot of Disney because Disney stuff was pretty pricey. And I've always liked um, anything related to commercials. So I have some Disney drawings that were done for um, advertisements, you know, basically a commercial, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of stuff. Um, pencil drawing layouts for like a MasterCard advertisement that would have been placed in the window of shops at Disneyland, that kind of oddball stuff um because like i said i have a thing for pencil drawings so and then um i've always liked commercial art although it's very hard to find disney related commercial art because when they do animated commercials for television they have pretty big budgets and so uh they have the time and the money to to um to blow so you will find very detailed um, storyboards just for the commercial, first for a 30 second commercial. The the cells tend to be hand painted, hand inked. Mm. Um, extremely well done, even for just, you know, whether it's Jolly, Jean, Jolly, Jolly Green Giant or uh, Peter Pan peanut butter. They're, um, in fact, that's one of the most beautiful cells I've ever had was a... Uh, Peter Pan from the Peter Pan peanut butter uh, Peter Pan <laughs> commercial. And it was just beautiful, hand-painted, hand-inked. No. But, um, yeah, so Disney stuff, I prefer pencil drawings and even harder to get the commercial, anything for commercials or advertisements. So I don't have a lot, put it that way. And then there are park items that I do have that um, – park-related items that I like, but that's all towards Disneyland and not Disney World since I've never yeah. been to Disney World. Yeah, well, and, and I get into this argument with Disney World people because we live on the East Coast here where most people go to Disney World. You know, Disneyland's the original, and I don't think I'm looking around here. Nope, I don't have any. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Disney World. I don't have anything. Um <laughs> What year? When? When do you kind of consider the 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 commercial the, the commercial animation? When is there kind of like a heyday for that? The, 
a time a time period that you really like over others? Um, not really. It's just um, you know, whatever I happen to find, which I haven't been looking for a few years because I kind of got to the point where I figured I better quit collecting because I've got enough stuff. <laughs> but um, that was always very difficult to find any. Um, actually. Disney art itself, um, the the Disney people, most people like the colorful stuff. So most people go for the cells. Yeah. And back in the the what well, the nineties is when they really started churning out the the uh, limited edition animation cells. Yeah. Um, because there wasn't enough regular cells, and most people, if you had if you had lots of money, you bought an original Disney animation cell. And if you didn't have that much money, you bought the um, limited edition cells. And then secondary is the pencil drawings. And then of course you have the really valuable pencil drawings from, you know, special, special scenes from Snow White or one of the classics. And then you have the lesser. And for me, it was mostly about, um, you know, I like Snow White, but I found pencil drawings from the trick or treat um, Donald Duck cartoon. So it's like, well, heck, that's what I'm getting. I don't care about, <laughs> you know, yeah, I love Snow White, but trick or treat. I got pencil drawings of the three nephews on the on the broom with the witch. I'm going for that. Yeah, so you're you're into the more obscure and the even harder to find stuff than than the mainstream. Well. Kind of, but also that's um, it's the kind of cartoon that, you know, I prefer. That's a cartoon that my kids grew up on. Um, so I was viewing, viewing part of that in my collecting was this is stuff that, hey, when I'm dead, my kids will appreciate it instead of some, some you know, something that they don't even know what it is or didn't see it. And it's, uh, you know... I remember that trick-or-treat cartoon. I liked it. I uh, enjoyed having my kid, you know, viewing it with my kids at Halloween time. Once that became available, those kind of cartoons yeah. became available on videotape. It's something we could sit and watch. Um, so it made more sense for me to, to, to collect something like that. And then I, I heard from a... Uh... I heard from an inside source that you have a particular affection for Carl Barks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't do much reading of comic books when I was a kid. Um, almost none. My, my um, interaction with comic books was at the barbershop, really. <laughs> and um, Donald Duck comic books were the only ones he had. So... That's the only comic books I ever saw as a kid, Donald Duck. Yeah, and he he did most of he did a lot of that stuff. I mean, he, yeah. he was prolific. Yeah. And so I did collect some Carl Barks uh, limited edition prints, and uh, still have a couple that uh, I'll give one of my kids one of these days. Do you have any uh, any guidance or advice for people that may want to start collecting or you know, may want to just get a few good pieces for their uh, you know for their for decoration? Uh, I think it's the same as what everybody else says. You have to 
you have to go after something that you're going to like in the first place. Yeah. And so I've collected all sorts of stuff over the years. And I would say, you know, almost always it's stuff that I happen to like anyway. And um, so I'm not worried about it, you know, whether it's worth more or not than what I paid for it in the end because I liked it. Uh, and th there are a few things I did get over the years with a view towards, you know, I only have so much wall space, but um, I'm getting this to hold on to later on for one of the kids. <laughs> is that an excuse or is that the uh, or or is that really the truth? Because I've used that. No, that's <laughs> no, there's there's some weird things like uh, I got a one of those little Mickey Mouse hats, you know, it has the plastic ears. It's like the little, just a little plain black cap on top of your head with the ears. Yeah. I found one years ago that was signed by uh, Annette Funicello. Oh, wow. So I got that, and I sat on that for about five or six years until um, my daughter was a little bit older, and then I had it um, framed in a shadow box for her for one of her birthdays. <laughs> um. For my two sons, I don't think I've ever done any Disney art for them, but I've there's other types of art I've collected for them and had framed over the years. But my daughter's more of a Disney fan, so I've done uh, – what did I get? I got a uh, – what do they call The window card, yeah. which is like a 17-inch by 22-inch, I think is the size, uh, on cardstock that was uh, an ad for uh, – the Haley Mills movie Summer Magic, which is a Disney movie that came out, I don't know, 62 or 63, I don't remember. And it was one of her favorite movies, so I had that framed for one of her birthdays. So I've collected, you know, oddball stuff like that that I just set aside for, you know, if I found it, it was in good shape, I got a decent price for it. I would pick it up, hold on to it for a few years. So I've collected some oddball stuff just to set aside for my kids now I'll, I'll ask you some of the more basic questions that i think most disney most people get um do you, do you have a favorite disney animated movie movie huh um i don't know how to answer that because you know you have all these biases uh, you yeah. know as i said i saw a lot of the re-releases but probably probably due to my age and when I saw it, the probably the first Disney movie I saw that was not a re-release is 101 Dalmatians. So I would have been about eight years old and that's the one that made the, the biggest impression on me. And I, I couldn't tell you why maybe it's because of the, the voice actors, the music. I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't, I can't say that's my favorite, but that to me is, uh, an iconic Disney film for me. Like I said, you know, that's the bias I have because yeah. that's one of my earliest memories for a really special um, Disney animated film. Whereas, yeah, I like Pinocchio. Um, I love Fantasia. Dumbo, so-so. Yeah, <laughs> um, I would say also that there's some of the shorts that made a big impression on me, and I would say Johnny Appleseed and Pecos Bill be 
two of my favorites. Even though um, the adventures of Ichabod Crane are way up there, um, and there's some of the Donald Duck and Chippendale uh, shorts I really, really love, um, Pecos Bill and uh, Johnny Appleseed. Uh, I love the animation. I love the music. Do, are you able to enjoy the the more current Disney animated movies, even though we yeah, so, so I guess right around 1988-89 was the last of the fully hand-drawn uh, animated features, then after that everything's had either computer assistance or fully computer-drawn? Uh for the most part, to me, to me, it's it's not about the animation anymore. Um, I'm not gonna, you know, bad math computer animation. Um, sometimes the story it's because of the storyline. Like, yeah, I'm not a, a fan of uh, Beauty and the Beast because I've seen some versions of the movie live action that I feel are closer to the original story. So. You know, it's for me. It's a lot of built-in biases. So, yep. I don't like Hercules because I, when the, as a kid, I uh, was really into uh, Greek and Roman myths, uh, mythology. Read a lot of books on it. So, I prefer <laughs> reading about you know Hercules instead of watching a Disney version of it. <laughs> yeah. I I. Trying to think of some, oh well, like a goofy movie. I liked that. That was yeah. cute. I I will I will agree. I I felt like after about eighty nine, ninety, ninety one, when they you know, kind of right after Beauty and the Beast, they got into a formula and kind of started working that formula to death. And so Hercules, Aladdin doesn't really do much for me. Um, yeah, the. The Emperor's new new groove is kind of interesting for a while, and then funny, and then it kind of wears off. Um, but at the same time, I think some of the story stuff that Pixar is doing—I mean, you know, Monsters yeah, Inc. Yes. and Toy Story—are just incredible stories that happen to be drawn using a computer. Yeah, um, I have to agree with that. It's about the story not just the animation too yeah. um and I, w I would say if you go back to maybe the, what is it, like the late 70s early 80s maybe uh can't remember the f f timeline even though it seems a little childish for me i liked winnie the pooh yeah uh great animation great voice i think well i think actually all the studios got away from good storylines and too many, and I think Disney's guilty of this too. Um, again, my personal bias. Uh, too many studios, and this is true of Disney. They uh, for their animation features, they feel they need a or more than one big name star as the voice, and not every good actor is a good voice actor. One of my kids growing up, actually all my kids, all, all three of my kids, one of their favorite animated movies, Disney animated movies, and this is because of, probably not even the animation, but because of the voice acting and the music is I can Robin this. Hood. 
Robin Hood. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and second to that is probably Jungle Book. Oh, love the soundtrack to Jungle Book. <laughs> uh, boy, that is. That, it's been so long since that is the title, right? Robin Hood, or yeah, it's been too long. Since, um, yeah. yeah, I mean the voice acting in that is fantastic, and that's true of Jungle Book too. Yeah. All right, we'll finish this up with one more, and this is just for just for me, just for my own interest. Uh, Disneyland, your your favorite your favorite must do attraction that is there now, and your favorite attraction from the past that we can't sadly go on anymore. Um, you know, to be honest, I I keep getting um, conflicting stories on this. Is the submarine ride still there? I don't know. It is. It's the the Finding Nemo submarine voyage. They got retooled, but is it going to reopen after all this? There's the better question. But um, oh, okay. Well, that that ha that's if it's no longer there, then I would say that's my favorite. Um, other than that, um, Haunted Mansion, uh, and that's probably because for so many years going to Disneyland, the Haunted Mansion was there, but it wasn't the Haunted Mansion. It was just a house. Yeah, I mean it was it I, was a it was a facade sitting there for six years, I think, before the attraction opened. Um, at least it was it was there for a while. I remember seeing it a number of times, and it's like okay, it it fits in with the this area of the theme park, but it's just a house there. Yeah, yeah. So the so as I understand the story, the uh, the white building was constructed in like 1962-63 as part of an expansion of that area of Frontierland. And with the idea that they were going to do some sort of a walk-through uh, wax museum kind of scary thing. And then they got busy doing the, uh, the four attractions for the 1964 World's Fair and put it all on hold. Uh, and then they came back from doing that, and then they did Pirates of the Caribbean, and they readapted the Haunted Mansion idea because they learned how to do the Omnimover kind of thing, and it finally opened in 1969. And, um, had the, and, and for years, it was uh, the opening day of the Haunted Mansion was the busiest day on Disney history, or Disney record books until yeah until the 80s and but yeah that that old building was sitting there for for years just empty yep i remember that yeah i would say that's probably one of my favorite rides do you remember how old you were when, when you finally figured out that the submarines didn't actually go underwater they, <laughs> they went through a waterfall and there was bubbles blown up at you no i don't um I think I liked the ride because I loved the movie 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Yeah. And so um, the submarine ride, I believe, was originally um, branded somehow with that, wasn't it? 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea? The one, the... the one at Disneyland was an Arctic Explorer theme or Arctic Circle Explorer, the one at Walt Disney World, oh, which right. I actually okay. I actually went on the one at Disney World before they shut it down, um, and that was 20,000 Leagues, and all the submarines were the Nemo-shaped submarine with the, you know, with the fantastic 
uh, I guess we'd we'd call it now steampunk design to them and everything. It was it was a it was the same ride, and at the end of it, a giant squid attacks you, and you barely get That's free cool. of it. Um, but then they uh, then they turned that into a Winnie the Pooh playground and and climbing space for kids. Um, <laughs> and now it's where the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train ride is. Okay, so it's been quite a few years since you know. Even though, um, probably for the last twenty years, been going. I've been going to Disneyland every two or three years. It's been a long time since I've been on the submarine, either because it was closed for repairs or it was they did, didn't know what they were going to do with it or whatever. So it's it, every time I've been down there, it's been closed for some reason or other. So it's been many many years since I've been on it. Yeah. And now I'll I'll just ask you one more one more personal question. And with your son being Ted, uh, has Ted gotten you to smoke a pipe? No, ah. never never took up smoking. My dad was a cigarette smoker, and then a very I don't even remember him smoking cigarettes. But um, at a very young age, when I was very young, my dad switched to a pipe and smoked a pipe for quite a few years. That was his way of quitting smoking was going to a pipe. So I, yeah. I personally always had a love for pipes because I loved the smell. Um, not sure how Ted picked it up, but um, <laughs> I can understand it. Um, I don't know if Ted even remembers this, but for since uh, probably for a good 15 years, we had the same mailman, and he smoked a pipe, and uh, whatever he smoked was – just absolutely beautiful smelling and you could smell it on the mail when he delivered it uh, so maybe maybe that infiltrated into ted's brain <laughs> i don't know <laughs> keith thank you very much for for the conversation thanks for doing this it's been a lot of fun thank you for having me blabber on about disney and uh, thanks for letting uh, me listen to uh, your opinion on, on Disney stuff too. It's, I don't get to talk to many Disney aficionados anymore. It's kind of rare. Well, they're all online and they are all super experts in what they are going to tell you. So <laughs> just be careful. <laughs> it's, it's a dangerous pool if you jump into it in the online communities. Um, yeah, I understand. I don't, I don't expect anybody to have the same opinion as me on Disney because um, my opinion on Disney is completely based on the way uh, I was born and raised and yeah. interacted with Disney cartoons and Disneyland and nobody else was going to have the same experiences I did. Yeah, no, and I absolutely love that what you, what you collect and own is what you love and it doesn't matter what it's worth. It's what you, it's what you like and that, that to me is more important than anything it's the same same thing with pipes the most valuable pipe is the one that smokes the best for you yeah understand that thanks again and uh, thanks again to smokingpipes.com missouri mearsham cornell and deal and savinelli and that has been some food for thought <laughs>